The Bloodbusters Podcast is proud to be a member of the Pod Bros Network. You can find us as well as other fantastic podcasts such as Pencil and Ink Review, Another Damn Trivia Show, and The Language of Bromance at podbros.com, as well as on most other fine podcasting services. Now sit back, relax, and prepare to share and enjoy the Bloodbusters Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Film Spotlight, a little look into what other people seem to like about films and seem to hate about film, because, you know, as much as we would like to think, it's not all about us, wouldn't you agree, Brian? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> wait, oh, wait, yes, yes, I would, yeah. sorry. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, so your uh, narcissism shining through there, just a little, I think. <laughs> uh, completely uh, veiled, yes. yes. Uh, yeah, couldn't agree more. Alright, well, this time we have, and I'm determined to get this right without messing it up, Raging Buddha B-Movie Queen, Nora Crest, joining us. How are you doing? I'm good, you got it right, that was perfect. Yes. Well done, Paul. Thank you very much. uh, (laughs) Now you see why I gave you the intro. (laughs) Yes, many hours in front of a mirror, just uh, repeating (laughs) everything. You have to Uh, do like the rubber baby buggy bumpers uh, to, to get my name straight. Yeah, I, you know, I am really in awe of what some of these actors and voice actors are able to do with some of these things. They're able to learn all of these incredibly difficult scripts and just do them ad nauseum again and again. And they, some of them are able to say ridiculous things <laughs> and then other people just will mess up saying, hello, how are you? They'll be like, hello, I didn't know I messed up. Um, it's usually uh, the easy stuff you mess up on, I think, more than the really tongue-twistery, complicated stuff. Yeah, I, although there is a little bit of a correlation between how much you're trying to get it right and how mm. difficult it is to see if you'll mess it up. Because obviously, there are tongue twisters designed to mess you up. But yeah. uh, it, there is, I think there's a slight level of if you're not trying too hard, you're able to kind of get away with it. Yeah, probably more relaxed is better. <laughs> yeah. And on that note. <laughs> yeah. And on that I'll, smooth transition. Oh, yes, yes. And then uh, yeah. random segue here. Well, we're here to talk about... <laughs> Films that you, a film that you love and a film that you hate. So we'll, as usual, start with the film that you love and. Oh, myself. we have to start with the one I love first? Alright. We do. Yeah, yes. save the best for last. Oh, really? Oh. I mean, the worst. <laughs> right, the yes. worst. Oh. Alright. Is your show going to follow your rules here? Right. Well, good. Because uh, <laughs> you have no choice, right, Paul? <laughs> yes, exactly. And I can edit this as much as I like so it works out. And as tradition dictates, myself and Brian need to hazard a guess as to the genre of the Whoa. film that you picked. So, Brian, why don't you guess Oh, first? I think I went first last time, so I think this is yours right now. So this right. is the film I want I to like. play off of yes. you. Okay. Yes, all right. So, yes, this is the film that you like. Okay, I've got it. I've, and, I've, I've uh, got it in my mind. All right. I'm going to guess road movie. Really like a, a road trip type of movie? 
Yeah, well, basically anything that is there on the road the majority of the time. So, Mm, yeah. See, oh, God, that's hard to say. Not really. Okay, well, Brian. Oh, okay, clues here. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I am going to go with, just because I know it's completely wrong, I'm going with theatrical musical. Okay, no, it's not a musical. (laughs) So it's not Grease. Good. (laughs) No. Shit. All right, then. Well, I'm going to accept the not really as still a win, because clearly there's a road in it. So there we go. Um, So... What? Well, so why don't, don't you... you know why I said not really when you know what the movie is, but anyway. Okay, well, why don't you let us know what one you picked then? What movie? I picked 1997's Luc Besson's classic, The Fifth Element. Ooh, good That's choice. why I said not really, because he is driving a taxi, but he's not on a road. He's in the air. Yes, very and true. And he spaceships, so... It's um, kind of a road movie. No, nah, no, no. Paul's wrong. Not oh, come on! It's I would. <laughs> There's it a takes place in the taxi. But There's a hell of a lot of travel. Roads, Paul. All right. <laughs> so yeah, there, there is a hell of a lot of traveling in this. So. <laughs> Without a doubt, there's a ton of traveling. I mean, this. The reason why I picked this movie because you're like a movie that you love. Okay, there's like a bajillion movies that I love because I see tons yeah. and tons of movies. But yeah. I picked this movie because honestly, this is the movie for me. Where no matter where it is in the movie, if I'm flipping channels and it's on HBO or Showtime and it's at any point in the film, I will watch it. And if I feel sick, I will watch it. Like this is my go-to movie, comfort food, like anytime I need to pick me up, I will watch this. And also I have to say it was kind of a tie between this and another Luc Besson film, Lucy, which came out a few years ago, which I also love. Really? Oh, I love that movie. My kids are obsessed with it, but as absurd as it, I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoy that film, but it is absurd. Oh, but I like, I've seen this so many times. I mean, I've seen this probably honestly like 200 times. This film a lot because I love it. Yeah. Yeah. The fifth element. Okay. Yeah. Fair fair enough. This is definitely one of those films that was on TV a lot when I was growing up. So yeah. I can understand that, and I do think, if I'm remembering correctly, this film possibly holds the record for the longest from inception to coming out, because mm. he wrote it when he was still a teenager, and he was almost 40 when the film came out. Yeah, and he also invented the entire language that uh Mia speaks in the film, and they would and- rehearse it in between takes and stuff. Yeah, and I think it's one of the few languages that actually holds up as a language. Yeah, it's got, like, proper grammar and everything. I mean, he really – and you feel that when you watch the movie. This is a, a whole concept. And the thing about it, even though it's, you know, almost 20 years later now, obviously some of the things that you see now are so dated. But at the time it came out, it was super futuristic, you know, in 1997, yeah. but you see those like lame headsets and like, you know, some of the stuff, it makes me laugh, you know, and even the little puppet thing that's in, you know, Zorg's office and is is kind of like super like rejected Muppet puppet, but I don't care. I still love it. But a lot of the other effects are really good. They obviously did a lot of VFX slash practical effects for this film and it comes off really well. But the story itself, I think, holds up really well over 20 yeah. years and I think 20 years from now somebody could watch this and still enjoy it 
Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. <laughs> um, now, obviously, we've all seen this, but just in case someone is listening to this who hasn't seen it, why don't you sell them on this film? Why okay. specifically should they watch it? Well, first of all, this is, uh, you know, Bruce Willis when he still had a tiny bit of hair that was actually his left. <laughs> so there's that. Mm-hmm. But it's also a film where he is definitely a hero in the film, but he's actually not the hero of the film. And you see him um a little more in depth than some of his just straight action roles where it's just him with the smarmy comment and the smirk and then punching someone in the face kind of thing. So you see a little more uh emotion from him which i really liked of course gary oldman everything he does <laughs> except for red riding hood totally brilliant um and funnily enough he didn't he didn't really like this role he thought it was just comic book and over the top until he did red riding hood where he realized that that was probably the i mean he apologized he didn't know what over the top was until he went over the top but um and then of course um and I'm going to butcher her name because I don't know how to properly pronounce it, but Mia Jojovovich um, as Lilu is so fantastic in this movie that after this movie was made, people really thought that she was like foreign, but she's American. And they thought, you know, she didn't speak English. And of course she's amazingly gorgeous, but as the hero of the film, you see um, not only is she kick ass and beautiful, but she shows a tremendous vulnerability and sort of makes you appreciate what humanity is all about, like the best of humanity. And this film, I think, shows kind of where we're going a little bit in the future, even 20 years after it was made. Um, and it made me like sort of rethink my humanity as a person when it 20 years ago, when I was 20 and I watched this film for the first time, I thought, you know, like I needed to do more kind of to be the, you know, supreme being kind of thing and like, you know, be the hero. And when I watch it now, I just get, I get something different from it every time that I watch it. But I think it's just such a, like a beautiful film and sort of a love, a love letter to humanity from Luc Besson, like why we're worth it, why we should work together and be good people kind of a thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I can see that. And, one of my favorite things about rewatching this as I go through my life is every time I rewatch it, I start to recognize someone else in it from something I have then seen. Right. So, so the first time I watched this, it was sort of my introduction to Bruce Willis and Gary Oldman mm. and Ian Holm and Chris Tucker. And oh, wow. Oh, he's so brilliant. Chris Tucker is the Chris Tucker's great in that. Yeah. one of the greatest characters of all time in a film. Ever. I mean, I just, I wish, Chris, I wish they would do like a second one just so Chris Tucker could be Ruby Roddick. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, or, uh, and uh, we're slightly jumping ahead to the last question we normally do for this, which is if there was a sequel, what would you do? I would, ooh. I would love to see, uh, a parallel film told from Ruby Rod perspective. <laughs> Somewhat like an Ender's Shadow or, you know, yeah, pretty something much. along those lines. You get to see him in the days leading up to him getting on the ship and then all of the stuff, like, going through his head. There are questions. I mean, obviously, at the end of the film, 
Bruce and, you know, and Corbin Dallas and Lilu are together. So what does that mean? She's, she is like, she's not, she's not human. She's more than human. And she's engineered for one purpose, which is basically fighting off the evil that comes every uh, 3000 years. So my question would be like, when are, you know, the people come to pick her up and put her back in her little case to yeah. like hibernate for the next 3000 years? Cause that's her whole job. Like, they're yeah. not going to have babies. They're not, you know, there's no little tiny Lilus running around and stuff like that. Um, I think she goes back in the case, and I think you could do a sequel that's 3,000 years in the future. And, you know, uh, like, but at this point, Dallas Corbin's descendants and Ruby Rod's descendants and all the people that were, like, you know, involved and, pre- you know, um, uh, the president and stuff, they could all, like, be, like, their own little cult that they've, you know, been keeping this watch for 3,000 years and, you know, something like that could happen, but I don't, I don't, you know, I mean, it, the movie has a happy ending, obviously, because they're together, but it's unrealistic because <laughs> she needs to keep doing, which, I mean, otherwise the Earth is going to be destroyed 3,000 years from now. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of sad. Yeah. Well, yes. the, <laughs> you know, sorry, I the, fell in love when you're just going to be toast in 3,000 years. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing, one of many things I've read online is, you know, films set ending to have unintended consequences and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This one, the and obviously we're spoiling now, but the, the end of this one, the Earth has a second moon. Which would be is going to be- destroy the Earth. Like, it would be cool to look at, but right, our tidal patterns, what the, would that do to it? You know, I mean, what would happen to the, does the ocean just get sucked off the planet because of the second moon? I mean, I don't, I'm not an astrophysicist. My grandfather was an astrophysicist, and if he was still alive, I would ask him what would and, happen if we had a second moon in orbit. And then also the amount of gravity that they would have, the two moons would come together eventually. There, there would right. be a collision. But see, you know what I thought was interesting was like this gives a backstory to like how we got our moon in the first place. Yeah. Because this was like that's how it got there the first time because she fought off the evil 3,000 years earlier and it turned into the moon. So I thought, yeah. well, that's kind of cool because that was a question I always had as a kid. Like how the hell did that thing just start floating around outside? Like where did it come from? And another – I thought of this movie when – um Oh, what was that show's name on TV where the people were here from another planet and then they were hiding the whole time and they didn't age? Oh, um, man. I, I think I know what you're talking about, but I can't. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about because Blair Underwood was the, was the, um, he was the president of the United States. Yes. Yeah, Do you like, remember? Oh. And he, his wife was actually one of the people. Um, I'm going to find it here also. No, right? V, so, is it? No, 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 V. Oh, God, I love V. And I like the reboot that they even did. The event. That's what it was. The event. It was one the season. And the, and the storyline was that these people had come from another planet many, 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 like forever ago. And they had gotten kicked out, essentially, um, by the, the Neanderthals and all these other people. But they hadn't really. They were still, like, they blended in and all this stuff. And then at the very end, the last episode... Um, their home planet is dying and they need to teleport it to Earth to save the population because their planet is going to be engulfed by their sun. So they teleport it and basically it's like right next to the moon and they explain that the moon was their first planet that they were on and they went to this other planet after they got kicked off 
of Earth and all this other stuff. So I thought, okay, well, this is like borrowing a little bit from, you know, Fifth Element in terms of that storyline. But it's so specific that most people wouldn't be like, didn't they do that in the Fifth Element? Except for me, because I've seen it 200 times. But that was a great (laughs) show. It only lasted one season. Uh, Like Flash Forward, which was another great one where you have all this other stuff. But, you know, sometimes when things are too science fiction-y, I think that they're ahead of their time. And so they just get, like, almost human. That was a great show. And that got canceled, and I couldn't believe it. But, you know. Mm-hmm. It usually, if it shows on NBC and I like it, then it just gets canceled. That's that's like guaranteed for me. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> one sh- one old British show I would recommend them very sci-fi is the uh, the BBC TV version of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Ooh! It is wonderful. <laughs> it's, I mean, Anyone that knows Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy will like, will like the oh, show. Oh, I have it's, to. I'll have to check that out. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, that there was only six episodes, and the BBC decided mm. not to pick it up for a second season, even though it it was just so well done. And that's but, so frustrating when you have a really well written and acted show, and then it just it, for whatever reason it just dies, and you're like, why? And then yeah, things like fine. two and a half men stay on the air for ten years. Yeah. And one thing to think of when you're watching it is, uh, for those people that don't know, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is an actual book, as it were. Like it's a, it, a different in every version, but it's like a digital book, kind of like an early Kindle, as it were, that you can look up all of these facts and stuff about all the planets that you might go to. And they show on screen the entries and stuff like that. Every single letter and every single picture is hand-drawn. And then they filmed it by removing black pieces of paper from each letter and taking a shot of the frame and then moving it again and taking another Mm. shot. (laughs) It's all hand-drawn and then shot on film. So it's a, it was really cool show. And, the the film was good. I actually quite enjoyed it, and another interesting retelling. But yeah, the TV show is by far my favorite out of all of the Hitchhiker stuff. Wow, I'm definitely going to check that out. Then that sounds awesome. Actually, oh, I love I love kitschy stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, and it, it was very much a, a product of the times as well. And it's, <laughs> And it is very English. Like it is, I, cannot... I love, listen, I love British TV. One of my favorite shows right now is Vicious, which is brilliant. If you're not watching it, you have should tune in yeah, for that yeah. because it's yeah. so funny. Have you seen it at all? No, I haven't. I have not. I think I've uh, I've heard bits and pieces about it, but uh, I I haven't I mean, had the chance to really watch it. First of all, it's Derek Jacoby. Oh, Ian McClellan, yeah. right? And then yeah. you have, of course, from Game of Thrones. Ramsey, yeah. You have Ramsey. But it was, cause I swear to God, the first episode when I saw him on it, I was like, run! Like I thought, <laughs> oh my God, he's gonna be a psychopath. Like he's a so, yeah. oh, and he's so funny on this show. He's oh, hilarious. That's great. I'd love to see him do office. something different. Yeah. <laughs> just, just so that you can appreciate him as an actor and not oh, want to mark yeah. him in the streets uh-huh. when you see him, if you ever see him. <laughs> so no. good I, I'm able to separate reality. And make it, yes. <laughs> Some people I, are I not, though. No. Some people are. Uh-huh. 
Poor yeah, Tom totally Felton, you know, after he was on Harry Potter, people like used to spit on him in the streets of London and oh stuff. My God. <laughs> yeah, I can recognize that he's a fantastic actor, but yeah, I'm looking forward to checking that out now. Yeah, definitely check it out. I mean, and also Ian McClellan. I mean, it's like. Oh, yeah. I mean, Eric he does no wrong. So funny. They're yeah. hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I'm definitely going to have to look into that one. Kid, which I loved. Did you ever watch that? Which one? Sorry. Are you being served? No, everyone no. seems to, that is, everyone in America, when they first start asking me about British television, that is what everyone asks me You know me why? Because it was like the one British show besides like Monty Python stuff that was um on PBS here that we could get. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it, you know, like we didn't see any of the Hugh Laurie stuff. So when he came here and he was house, you know, on American television, we were like, oh, he's a British comedian? What? Like. Yeah, it, didn't make, it, it didn't make any sense to us. We were like, "He's funny. How did that happen?" Like, he's yeah, a total. I, like, <laughs> yeah, I, that's the thing. I want people to ask me, like, rather, rather than say, "Oh, did you watch this?" I want people to ask me, like, what they should watch if they like that type of thing. Because I will tell you, obviously, Monty Python, Hitchhiker's uh, hey, Galaxy, a bit of Fry and Laurie is just phenomenal. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> they are so good together, and. Uh, uh, it, it's one of my one of my favorite things that they ever did was they they start doing a bit where they read listener mail and mm. it's and it's someone who's saying like you know you're always going on about Margaret Thatcher who was the prime minister in England at the time uh, but you never suggest anything to replace her and it turned, they say hey, it's a coat hanger there you go that replace her and then at that point Hugh Laurie says he's written a savage angry song about jars that get separated from their lids. And so he goes over to the piano and just starts playing this song, which is just him saying the words, where is the lid, over and over and over. Meanwhile, in the background, Stephen Fry looks over at the sofa and picks up a lid for the jar. And so he comes around, he's trying to tell you, look, I've got it here, it's right here, this is the lid. And he's not paying any attention to it. And so he puts it onto the jar and he's still playing the song. So he ends up just punching him in the stomach, at which point he collapses <laughs> on the floor. And it transitions into a eulogy on behalf of Hugh Laurie now that he has passed and moved on. <laughs> it's just a, oh, my God. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it, those guys were were brilliant. And it, it, it's always fun to see them working together. Of course... Now that we've finished talking about British television, how about we get <laughs> Have we? Must we? Uh, yeah. I, All right. I now know. you guys are going to guess the movie that I loathe. Well, not not quite. We don't, we typically try not to do that, but I, I will ask one other question that I have written down for this thing, which is obviously we talked about bits and pieces from the film, but is there a favorite moment or scene Oh. From the fifth element that you are always looking forward to or that always gets you. Ooh. <laughs> there are a couple. Um, hmm, that is it. I did not expect that question. Um, <laughs> no one ever does. I ask well, it every no, single time. No, no, nobody expects it. <laughs> there's, there's, well, there's a couple moments. I love, um, when obviously she falls, like, you know, the police are chasing her. She, she jumps out of her little containment thing and then, um, jumps through the little thing and she's running around the, I guess the pipes or whatever. And she's on the outside of the building and they, obviously she has no identification. They don't know who she is. And she jumps off the building 
and crash lands into uh, Bruce Willis's taxi. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. freaking out, all this stuff. And then when the police finally catch up to, to them, um, and they're surrounded, and he's like, oh, I can't be part of this, and, you know, it's terrible. And she sees the little, like, poster of the poor kid, and it says, please help. And she's like, please help. And she's just, like, crying, and she just looks so sad. And then Bruce Willis just, like, punches it and takes off. Um, with her in the cab and it's totally ridiculous and they're driving all over the place. I love that part because you see that this guy, even though he's just sort of like this cabby bum kind of guy, he's like heart of gold. And yeah. of course I, I love, um, the other part that makes me sad is like when she's learning everything about earth yeah. and she hasn't been there and she realizes that we're so destructive mm-hmm. and it just, it makes her so sad. And it was like, when all those images started flashing on the screen before her, I started crying before they cut to her face crying. Yeah. And it's like, you have to look at humanity, um, in, in, in sort of like a, a real kind of like scale way. You know what I mean? Like there's all this crap, but there's all this really good stuff like that is redeemable also. And it yeah. is hard to make that choice. Like, should we be saved or should I just be like, I don't feel like it today. I'm tired, you know? So I like the journey that she goes through at that point. I think those are two really important. I mean, obviously I like the end too, but you know, don't want to totally spoil it in case somebody hasn't seen the film. Mm-hmm. Watch it. Although you know? one thing I do love, uh, I've read several times is that surely before you reach the W's, you'll have run into some of the more horrific side of like concentration <laughs> yeah. camps. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, but genocide. See, my favorite scene, just because it's comical, is like the scene where they're trying to get onto the ship to take them yeah. to the cruise ship, and she yeah. and you know, first the, the kids there, and he takes the pass, and she's like, "Lilu Dallas multi pass," and she just keeps saying multi pass, and then he's like, "She knows it's a multi pass." Like, <laughs> I don't yeah, know why, but whenever my kids are repeating something, I always say that to them. Like, <laughs> I know it's a multi pass. Like, you know. <laughs> It's so great because Bruce Willis is just so New York in this movie, just unapologetically. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And sort of like this is—I think this is just after like Moonlighting, so he's still sort of like full New Yorker, you know, diehard New Yorker guy. Well, I mean, he's a taxi driver, so of course he's got to be a New Yorker. Mm. Uh, and what, one thing I find really interesting with the whole thing is that. They never actually explained what's going on with all the rubbish at the airport because it got cut. Right, it's just gigantic piles as high as the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and the entire reason behind it is because they were on strike. Oh, like, okay. All of There's the garbage workers were on strike. That you don't notice the first time watching, but you know, like in the fight scene, when he comes yeah. out of the theater, all of a sudden his shirt's torn and one sleeves off, and you're like, when did that happen? <laughs> Like, yeah, you know, there's but, other massive fight thing that obviously got cut for time. I mean, there's plenty other, you know, action sequences, but. Yeah. And I, I was trying to think as well what my favorite moment from it is. And I, I've narrowed it down to two of them. Mm. And one of them is just Gary Oldman walking away after he's given them all the guns and he's just explaining that you know, <laughs> any, any killer. Uh, in the world 
would have immediately asked about the little red button. Right. And just, <laughs> just that, that whole thing. And then the, the payoff as well at the end is great. And, and then also when they've arrived at, uh, what is it? Plala Laguna or whatever the place is called. Plala Laguna is the opera singer. They're on Planet uh, Floss, which is they, the, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's been too long. I can Floss <laughs> so in Paradise is the name of the cruise ship they're on that's cruising around the planet. Uh, so yeah, so they they arrive and then the guy's like, "Oh, something's in the uh, like in the circuitry. Hang on, I'll check." And then it's just a priest that's upside down, just like, "Oh, are we there?" Like, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> just for whatever reason, that always gets me. <laughs> I know, and it, and they don't even do anything like, "Oh, that's totally normal." There's just a guy who's stowed away in the electronics for the whole flight. Yeah, and he he really he should have been just put straight into jail or something at that point. But I know, he, but right? he didn't. I love that, and I love the cherry scene with Gary Oldman. That's one of the best scenes yeah. where he's, like, telling the priest off about, you know, all the things that basically destruction is the reason why we should have anything. It's the, the whole cause of everything on the planet. And then, you know, he's choking to death. Yeah. I think I just think that's, like, a total perfect, like, scene that sums up the whole movie is, like, what side of this are you going to be on kind of a thing. Uh, yeah. And that little puppet thing is so wackadoodle, though. It's so creepy weird. (laughs) Yeah. Every time I watch it, I'm like, I don't even want to think about what the purpose of that weird animal in his desk is. (laughs) It's got a snout, and it's just gross looking. I don't understand it. Yeah. Uh, uh, What about you, Brian? Have you thought of one? Uh, Favorite? Oh, you know what? I have not. This may come as a shock. I have not seen this since 1997. So, yeah. Uh, So I'm struggling for the details. In that case, Uh, I would recommend saying any scene Chris Tucker is in. Exactly. Any scene Chris Tucker is in. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there we go. I mean, I I remember bits and pieces, but I really need to revisit it. I mean, Chris. One of Chris Tucker's best scenes, though, has to be when the the takeover initially happens on the ship. Mm-hmm. He's like, if anybody can hear me, I'm in the front row. And he's just like, <laughs> and he accidentally shoots the guy's head. He goes, I just got nervous. You know, like he's just freaking out all the time and he's screaming. Like when he holds that note, when he's screaming for like a minute straight. Oh, uh, when he's I, saying I, the word 10 and he doesn't finish it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so... He's so brilliant. That radio guy, I mean, that character, Ruby Rod, is just like, it's just so perfect. And I don't know how Bruce Willis kept a straight face, honestly, yeah. with all the stuff he was doing. I mean, that <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay, in in that case, I'm going to have to change my answer to the introduction <laughs> of Ruby Rod. Yes! <laughs> Were you think... autographing it with the paintbrush? Yeah. <laughs> Just that whole first broadcast is like, that's reading enough to see the film. <laughs> he's so, it's so brilliant in his like skin type leopard unitard that he's wearing. Yeah, he's basically say. trying to be Prince, right? <laughs> I think it's like a combination of Prince and like RuPaul. It's like something oh, on yeah. that level of like outrageousness, you know what I mean? Alright, well, I think this is officially the longest we've ever gone on about the film that someone loves. So, <laughs> there we go. Um, and so, inevitably, we must sink into the other side, and it's, uh, it's the film that you do not like. And, okay. um, we, 
I say every single time, we're not even going to bother to guess because, as you well know, bad <laughs> films come in every single genre on the planet, and there's I so talk many about of them. them every week. <laughs> so, why don't you just let us know what is the film that you do not like very much? Okay, well, this film is a 2008. There will be blood. Okay. I, there is gonna be blood, Nora. Alright. <laughs> I rule that I don't watch Daniel Day Lewis movies. And the only movie that has ever won me over for him you as a be saying Lincoln. Yes, was Lincoln. Because <laughs> okay, good. It, 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 it's the only film he doesn't do his number one acting gimmick. And his number one acting gimmick is to yell really loud on like half of his dialogue. In every single movie, he does that. I don't care. My left foot, he's like, I, 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 you know, last of the Mohicans, I will always find you. And in this movie, of course, I drink your milkshake, you know, which is the best scene in the whole movie. That's the only scene ever worth watching. And I dare say Bill Hader did it better when he did a parody of it on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yeah, that, that scene is responsible for about 1% of conversations that occurred in the house I was in at university. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, it, everything turned into drinking milkshake drink or drinking whatever milkshake. it is. <laughs> it would even go so far as like, I drink your spaghetti when someone Did was you like, guys like this movie? Is that what you're telling uh, me? I, I love this movie. Yeah. Oh and my I have not God. seen it. <laughs> I do now, love this film. The Lobster, because that one has disturbed me on so many levels. And I think I'm, my mom and I are the only two people on the planet that didn't like it. But I had to go with this one just because I, I just wanted to bitch about Daniel Davis. Like okay, fair. So we've got one person that <laughs> doesn't like it. But why did you like it, though? What is there to fucking like in this movie? It's terrible. <laughs> oh no! no First of no, all, the no, opening no. five minutes of no dialogue and the slow. Well, it, it's more than that. It's about a it's full reel. Film. It's about fifteen minutes of no dialogue. It's yeah. so terrible. <laughs> it wasn't even good imagery, and this thing won for best cinematography, and I don't understand that. <laughs> this is going to get interesting. Best picture. It didn't win best picture because No Country for Old Men won best picture, and that's what should have won. But of course, if if Daniel Day Lewis does a movie, he's winning the Academy Award. That's what happens. So, <laughs> well, I'm let, let's the one just for that wig in No Country for Old Men. No. Okay, so yeah, we're gonna have to try and figure out a way of doing this because we have one person that clearly really likes it, one person that hates it, and one person who has never seen it. So <laughs> the ambivalent, yeah. <laughs> Don't see it. Don't see it. Don't waste. No, it. this is. I am not the guest, so I will. Take the backseat, of course. Yeah. No, it's okay. I'd love to hear why you like it. I mean, I loved Paul Dano in the film. I thought he gave a tremendous performance. Um, but I, I really loathe this film. I just, it was just Daniel Day Lewis doing his usual bullshit, and I just found it stupid. Okay. <laughs> and I don't like. I, I, I hate to say it. Paul Thomas Anderson really doesn't do it for me as a filmmaker, really? I know that he's married to Maya Rudolph and they make beautiful babies and that uh -huh. kind of thing. But in general, I'm not a, like, I saw the master, you know, and I grew up in Scientology. So I thought he did a pretty good job uh, with that. particularly. Mm -hmm. But again, so boring. So boring. Like I just so want to take a nap in his movies. I will admit he is hit and miss with me. I'm not like a, an all in PTA guy. 
Um, I yeah. evaluate him on a case by case basis, and yeah, um, I, I I thought he uh, nailed it on this one, but obviously we disagree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, why why did you think he nailed it? What about the movie? Uh, you oh, like, I mean, love that. I, I will fully admit uh, I have a, a Daniel Day-Lewis bias. I, I think he's a fantastic actor. Oh. Um, oh. I, I love him in pretty much anything he does. Uh, Gangs of New York, no. Um, it's such a I mean, terrible, terrible. It, That is a terrible movie. Um, and he, yes, I will. <laughs> I'm fully on board with agreeing with that. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, I, I do think he was one of the best parts of that movie. Uh, even oh, though his character that, was so over the top. Between Leo and Cameron was the best part. Jeez Louise. Oh, Cameron was yeah. awful, though. But. Oh my god. So miscast. So miscast. <laughs> she only, the only worst period actress would be Winona Ryder. Um, possibly. No, but... Oh, she was so great in Little Women. Stop it. That's no, the best not version. Little Women. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's, that's, um, little, that's out there, and there's like four versions of that movie, and that is the best one. And you want to know why? Because it's the only one that is clear that she was never in love with her neighbor. That they were really just friends. And all the other versions, you're like, you're such a bitch. You've been leading him on this whole time. It's the first one that that was totally clear that they were just friends and he was mad for her. But she was like, oh, you're like my brother. That's gross. (laughs) So I'll give it to her for that because I believe that, that they were, Uh you know, like that aspect. But yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Winona Ryder is hit and miss, but I love her anyway. She's a North yeah, No, 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 yeah. Uh, I love her in some Mr. D. But come on. I mean, really, Daniel Day Lewis does it for you. You're just like all. Uh, f- I, I mean, I, I'm not going to say I'm all in it either. Like, if, if I hear he's attached to a picture, I'm like all in. No, I, you know, once again, case by case, but I think he's more hit than mess. Um, I, I, I think, you know. He did love Yes, Lincoln. he does have his. I I'm sorry. Lincoln. I loved oh, him. I, absolutely love I thought Lincoln, he was brilliant. Yeah. I thought mm-hmm. it, uh, the overall movie was fantastic. I mean, and I didn't even care that it was like yeah. five hours long. I didn't even care. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, thought, we... you know, him and, and Sally Field were so wonderful as the Lincolns. It was so beautiful, the whole yeah, thing. We've gone on record as saying that there, there was only one problem we have with the film, and that is that they did not hard cut when he was doing the slow walk yeah. away. That was such a bad right, choice. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we don't need to see the end that of that story. Thought, like, yeah. We don't need the theater shot. We don't no one needs that. We all know mm-hmm. what happens next. And we don't need like, the misdirection of the of the kid <laughs> at the wrong thing. You know, no, the, yeah, they completely went off the rails there. It but. was like I agree with you hundred percent. That should have been the end. Roll credits. Everybody's crying mm-hmm. already. You know what's happening. Yeah, yeah, we know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's like in the same thing when people make a film about JFK. You just show them getting in the car at Dallas. I'm done. Boom, it's over. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't need to see the rest. We all know what happens. Although, if, I mean, yeah, I will uh, say I did like Boogie Nights, which is one Paul Thomas Anderson film I can get behind and like say yes. <laughs> Along with a, a a large portion of the male audience, I think. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure every. I mean, yeah, I, you'd be hard pressed to find a dude who has seen the movie. I mean, obviously if they haven't seen it, but um, yeah, you'd be hard pressed to find a dude who didn't like that film. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. I, mean, I, I haven't met one yet. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah I, I, I was just going to say, like, I 
looked up Paul Thomas Anderson filmography before, and the only film of his that I have seen from beginning to end is Boogie Nights. Really? Really? Yeah. I I haven't seen There Will Be Blood. I haven't seen The Master. I stopped watching Inherent Vice after 15 minutes. And, uh, <laughs> you made it a whole 15 minutes into that. I, I did, yes. I I, oh, I saw the preview and I was like, it's too weird. Like, I just, I was like, uh. I, I like weird, but for I some reason too. this was the wrong kind of weird, I guess. Really? I've See, seen I Inherent, oh, go ahead. You saw Inherent Vice? You saw the no, I've thing? seen it three times, and I still have really? no idea what's going on. And what it's, No, because I'm determined to understand it, and I can't. You're trying to make sense of it? Yeah, and I think yeah, I've, I've given up now that it's just not I think it's the kind but, of movie you're supposed to be on acid while you're watching it, and then it'll well, make sense. those days are gone, so I guess yeah. I'm just going to <laughs> be It is not for sober it. people, that no. movie, I think. Uh-huh. I can enjoy bits of it, but, oh, my Lord, it is not utter nonsense. Uh, well, the whole trailer to me looked like nonsense. I was like, I don't even understand what's supposed to be ha- – what? Like, mm. that's – so, you know, yeah. his mind is is a, is a unique mind, that's mm. for sure. And and I, I will say this about Daniel Day-Lewis. I will give it up to him 100 million percent for probably being the most method actor that has ever existed. I mean, during the fucking crucible, he built a goddamn house using like tools from the era for himself on the set. And he lived in it. Yeah. Daniel like, he's I will give it up to him. He's a, you know, he takes every role very seriously and he puts 110% in it. And, you know, for that, I give it up to him, but I don't always enjoy his performances. Except for Lincoln. So I hope he does another film. Apparently his next thing coming up is an untitled Paul Thomas Anderson fashion project. I don't even want to know what that's going to look like. (laughs) That's going to be freaky. Uh, Maybe he's going to play Jean-Paul Gaultier or something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'd say I I enjoyed him as as much in There Will Be Blood as I did in Lincoln. Really? Yeah. Yep. I just thought yeah. his character was so ugly. There wasn't one redeeming for me. Like I well, like a good bad guy, but there's not mm-hmm. since he's the main character. There's not one redeeming thing about this guy. There's not one See, reason for me to and like. That's him. what you know, and that's kind of what I loved. I loved the blind ambition at all costs, even though that's deplorable and ugly. Uh, I thought he portrayed that so well. The mm-hmm. the disowning of his son, and you know, just everything just to be successful um his idea of success I, I i i thought he he was fantastic okay well i just i don't i i mean i would be willing to give this film another look but i just there's certain films that like this is one of the films i i vowed i would never ever ever watch again along with another film that i love like for example, Twelve Years a Slave. I loved that film, but I can never see that again. Oh no, there's some no. that yeah that you love, but one and done. Yeah, it's... one and done. Like I, I yeah. won't even buy the DVD because I don't even want to look at the DVD. It's going to make me just bawl my eyes out. But it was such a brilliant film, and I'm so glad that it was made and that Lupita Nyong'o was introduced to the world. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, she's the queen of everything. Like I'm glad. I just want her to be in everything now and mm-hmm. give every speech about everything. And if aliens ever do come down to planet Earth, I've decided that Lapita, Morgan Freeman, and Dakota Fanning should meet them 
and that's 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 the emissaries of Earth. That's who we're sending okay. to represent, and the Dalai Lama, and they can just all go, <laughs> and they can. That's that's Earth, and that you know maybe we won't get eaten alive by the people that land here or something. <laughs> can you care to elaborate on the Dakota Fanning choice? I'm with you on the first two. Uh, she's one of the few child actors, she and mm-hmm. her sister Elle, um, mm-hmm. who aren't coked out, you know, crazy people. Okay. Okay. Sand. I got you. And, and I just, I fell in love with her when she was a tiny little girl in I Am Sam. And when, after that movie came out, she was on Oprah and she mm-hmm. walks out, Oprah introduces her and she hands Oprah this box and Oprah's like, what's, what's this? And she's like, oh, I, I brought you a gift because my mother told me you never show up anywhere without a gift for the host. Mm-hmm. And, um, she, Oprah opens it and she's like, oh my God, this is a beautiful scarf. And she's like, thanks, I made it. And she's like, I'm sorry, you made this? And she's like, yeah, I knitted it. And she's like, I'm sorry, what, how did you learn to knit? She's like, oh, I took it up when I was five. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the what? kind of kid Dakota Fanning was. Like when she was five, she was learning how to knit. I think I first, be, I'm not even using IMDb here. What? I think she was, was she like the little girl inside her house rules? Um, was she? Like, I think you know, like the, one of the girls at the orphanage. I, I'm, I swear, I'm not even using. I, I think that was when I first became aware of her. If it's not uh, her, then I'm wrong. But well, she obviously. was on a few TV shows, bunch of TV shows, mm-hmm. one episode, one episode, and then her first movie was I Am Sam, and then mm-hmm. which was 2001. Insider House Rules is before that, so I don't think she was Insider House Rules. Uh, okay, I, I don't know who. Yeah. Maybe it was her sister. They look a lot alike, except for now, of course, Uh Elle's, like, super tall, and Dakota's, like, barely five feet tall, so. Yeah. It's not based on her body of work, which is very diverse, and sometimes it's been bad, and sometimes it's been really, 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 really good, but it's just based on her as a human. I think she's an excellent example of humanity. I personally think that Jennifer Lawrence would be a better. I love Jennifer Lawrence. I she's on my list of people that I would like to just like. Do you have like in my mind? I have a list of people that I would love to just sit down and like have coffee with and just talk about everything, not just movies and TV, but just about life. Like Jennifer Lawrence is definitely on the list. Um, All the people I mentioned is the emissaries of Earth, but I mean other people that I've idolized forever, like Drew Barrymore or Alyssa Milano. I would just love to get like such a diverse, totally like range of people. Lupita Nyong'o would be. I would just love to talk to her about like the universe and find out everything that she knows because I'm convinced she pretty much knows everything. Fair enough. But Daniel Day Lewis is not on that list of people. No. Well, uh, he would I would up encourage in you to rewatch the uh, the baptism scene or um with, with Paul Dano and. Um, Daniel Day Lewis in the church. Yes, that's very um, it's an amazing scene where I mean you have Paul Daniel just coming full force at him and just Daniel Day Lewis just so over the top and just yes I accept the blood I accept the yeah oh it's, yes give me the blood yeah uh, oh yeah, that scene was I mean listen that mm-hmm. those two playing off each other. That was yeah. great. And if it had been mm-hmm. more of the two of them in the movie, I think, together, it yeah. probably would have been a much, in my opinion, mm-hmm. a much better film. Because those two people, I mean, I think Paul Dano is such an amazing actor. Oh, yes, absolutely. I really think, I mean, if you didn't see um, the Beach Boys movie that he was in last year, which... The uh, Love and Mercy? Or? Yes. Yeah. He was so good. He was so good in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's pretty much good in everything. I mean, I've seen him in other stuff that I didn't even really like the movie, but I liked him. So, 
you know, I didn't like the movie, but I did like Paul Dano. And, you know, had there been more Paul Dano, I probably would have not hated this movie. Well, but just the, uh, I don't know. I just hated the whole thing. I, I well, went into it thinking it was going to be something very different. And so what I thought from the trailer was not what I saw on the screen. And that happens a lot. Well, in that case, that actually kind of goes very nicely into the question I like to ask, which is, mm. what would you do if someone came to you with this film and unlimited budget and said, we want you to fix it? Ooh. How would you change the film so that you did like it? Well, first I would burn it. <laughs> um, and then I would like watching that. That would be very fun. Well, oh, good crap, I, first of all, I wouldn't have, and this is the same complaint that I have, by the way, with Quentin Tarantino. And I almost picked a Quentin Tarantino mm. film just because I like his films, but he refuses to write a script without the N-word every 25th word in the script. And I find that to be a cheap trick and annoying. And if Quentin ever hears this, I challenge you to write a script that has no uh, ethnic, you know, takedowns in the entire script. But anyway, I would cut a lot of the sweeping cinematics where it's just nothing's going on, but we're just sort of seeing dust fly by, which really weren't necessary and made the film about 45 minutes too long. Um. And I'd probably, if I was going to keep Daniel Day-Lewis in the film, which, you know, obviously you want because people love him, um, I'd probably have to have him dial it back, like, a couple notches and and keep it more for the very, like, the, the baptism scene, take it to 11 in that. That's fine. And the I drink your milkshake, keep that at 11, you know. <laughs> but the rest of the film needs to be a little more from him subdued kind of a thing because it just I felt like he was just at 11 the whole film you know what I mean and just too much I don't even know how he didn't have a heart attack honestly I mean that that character was so angry and just so cranky about life in general I would I you know I don't know and maybe that's how that person was because I know it was sort of based on history and stuff like that but I can't imagine that a person that was that gigantic of a douche asshole would have been as successful as he apparently was well I mean it it is interesting because obviously you get not a huge number of films but there are some films out there where you do have someone who is just completely like unforgivable yeah and most of the time those characters can work because, you know, there are some people in society that don't have any real redeeming qualities. And yeah. I, I actually kind of like to think John Travolta in Swordfish would fall into that. <laughs> oh, he, my God. Yeah. Just a flat-out bad guy out for number one, and that's it. That's all he that, is. That's so. true. That is, like, his most, like, kind of bad guy film that he ever did I think I mean yeah. I don't know well no besides the generals um, that was another one where he was kind of a di- oh or what was the one with him and Christian Slater broken, broken arrow. arrow god that, that was it yeah John Woo and then unless you want to count him playing Castro Troy as his you know playing Nick Cage <laughs> uh, in face off yes I, I was gonna say he got to play both uh, 
<laughs> yeah, but like what you just said, like, for example, again, bring up 12 Years a Slave. Michael Fassbender is probably one of the greatest bad guys of all time. But in, for a moment, you, you see a tiny bit of humanity in that guy. And I just felt like there wasn't any humanity in Daniel Day-Lewis. You know what I mean? Like, not even a glimmer that he's possibly human. Mm-hmm. You mean and just I, in this film? or yeah, no, not in general. He's obviously a lovely human. <laughs> okay. Well, no. I would say, like, when his son becomes deaf, when he's trying to comfort him, you know, he runs for his son. Right. And I, I thought that was, you know, showed his humanity there. That where, when guess, he, yeah, his son is just like screaming the, the, the and he's trying to hush him to, you know, to quiet. Yeah, yeah, I thought it I there. I guess that incident sort of just broke that character and then that was the mm-hmm. end of his humanity because he couldn't, you know, yeah. now everything was terrible. Mm-hmm. He couldn't manage after that. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I get what you're saying. I get, I, I can see that, like thinking back on the film, mm-hmm. but it's just, I don't know. There was just so much that was, as a parent, that scene, that scene murdered me, you know, thinking mm-hmm. about something horrible like that happening to one of my children. That's just, I don't even want to, I don't even want to picture that. That's terrible. Yeah. Kind of a situation, but you know. I loved him in Lincoln. I'm going to give him that. <laughs> All right. We, we can uh, come to terms on that. And, you know, he hasn't done anything since that. It's been six, you know, it's been four years since Lincoln. Not a peak. Yeah. He, he like somewhat semi-retired, like, like I think 10, so. 15 I think years ago. And then he, you know, he jumped yeah, back in. Yeah. Jumped back in for just for a couple of roles. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll see what I... happens. You know, he's tricky. You never know. He might just pump it, but he doesn't pump movies out. You know what I mean? He doesn't ever mm-hmm. have like more than one thing come out in a year. Yeah, well, yeah. I think he's one of those people that, that he's probably very good at managing his money and he does just, like, he doesn't do film for the paycheck. He does it because he really wants to do it and because right. people want him to be in it. So, yeah, I, I imagine he's one of those people that is just perfectly comfortable not buying the $20 million house. Oh, and, no, I didn't uh, picture like that at all. I think he's probably super quiet. He probably lives in a very modest place and he probably also negotiates a tremendous back end deal for himself, which he deserves because, you know, people go to the movie to see him. He is a box office draw. That's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I'm willing to see the next one that comes out with him in it, but I yeah, I have no idea if I'll go to the cinema to see it or if I'll just wait until it comes <laughs> out. Well, I think it depends on what kind of movie it is. You know what I mean? Like, if it's another epic film like Lincoln, I mean, it depends on what the topic is. You know what I mean? Or if it's another yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson, if this next thing is honestly this weird fashion thing, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but that even, I mean, that just, it just sounds frightening to me right now an untitled Paul Thomas Anderson fashion project. It sounds like extremely terrifying. <laughs> you know, I might be with you there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause I just think, Oh God, like, will that even be able to air anywhere? Like what is it going to be an NC 17 rated fashion project? <laughs> like, oh God. Oh, yeah. I oh, I don't know. Well, so obviously we want people to see the fifth element among other sci-fi things and 
one of us doesn't want people to see there will be blood. One of us does. One of us has no opinion one way or the other. Uh, but we are suggesting to see Lincoln. Definitely. <laughs> see Lincoln yes. by default. Yes. My other suggestion is just Google, you know, Bill Hader doing I Drink Your Milkshake because that's better than the whole movie There Will Be Blood. So. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I, I might actually do that. You should. <laughs> All right. Well, we've definitely reached a part of the show where you get to tell us where people can find you, get a hold of you, all of that good stuff. So how right. how do you want people to find you? Well, I'm on Twitter as One Raging Buddha, at One Raging Buddha, or uh, you can find my blog, which is RagingBuddha.net. And, of course, I'm on the as as honor likes to say the award winning soiled restroom cinema mm. yeah he um, never he specifies does. what the award is i know that so always I gets me <laughs> what the award was it was like a best of something in 2012 or i can't remember because i wasn't on this show then so i don't care no i'm just kidding um <laughs> good joke. Yeah, but, I, uh, I get the feeling I'm he has his own certificate is, you know, put up somewhere terrible 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 horrible movies and, um, you know, we save you from seeing them. And that's, of course, at our website, signalsoffury.com, where you can tune into our weekly podcast. We're going to drag both of you guys in. Just no more Sandler, please. That's all I ask. Oh, my God. If we did enough. Oh, please. I We try and stick to that pool, and then he keeps putting movies out on Netflix. Everybody's like, you don't have to acknowledge them as movies, Nora. I know, but it's like that's the number one requested thing. As soon as he pumps another movie out, we get like four requests. And I'm like, oh, why did he? I can't. It's so terrible. Uh, what well, one did you? What other one did you just do? Oh, the one we just recorded, which is coming out for uh, going up against uh, the start, new Star Trek film, is Just My Luck with Chris Pine and Lindsay Lohan. Oh, my God. Yeah, it is terrible with a capital T. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> like, Honor, Honor basically said he was physically hurting from watching the film. Because oh, his my God. Ay, ay, ay. Bad. I mean, it's there's really nothing super redeemable about that film. Well, obviously, thank you very much for coming on, and as yeah. always, you can find ourselves at Blockbusters. <laughs> just, just search Blockbusters. You'll find it. Yeah, me. just Google it. <laughs> yeah, You're we, good. We, we cover it in every other episode. At this point, can't be bothered. Just Blockbusters, <laughs> we're there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, one more time, thank you very much again, Nora, for coming on and doing this. Thank you, oh, thank you for having me. It was awesome. You guys are wonderful. Oh, well, thank you. Likewise. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks very much, folks.